welcome to Karma Cast number three. Trilogy. <laughs> yes, the trilogy. I was well, man. I was uh, I'm glad. So I'm glad to have my brother here today, AJ Sharma, or as we say in India, Ajay Sharma. The brother from the same mother. From the same mother. Oh. So I just knew that this was going to be live because the chemistry that we have together. Uh, nobody is, I was thinking this morning, you know, nobody makes me laugh or nobody I know as funny as him is my brother in, pers- in my personal life. He's the funniest guy I know. Makes me laugh like no other. So. <laughs> <laughs> so with that. So with that, I just want to get into, first of all, we're just going to give a little bit about your, we're just going to go right into it. Like as far as your, your work history what you're doing, what you got, and then we'll get into, we'll just see where it goes from there. But like, obviously we're talking a lot about real estate on this podcast, but it's not just real estate. It's about business. It's about life. It's about all kinds of stuff, you know, but you're a business G and you're a real estate G, you know, you're a big G, I call him the big G. Um, but Multi-family apartments. How long you been doing it? Over 20 years. And when did you start? 1997. <laughs> it was a transformational year for me. Life was never ever be the same after that year. That's, is that what you're talking about when you first came out of college and then you went? Yeah, so I came out of college in 96. And I always say that I went from renting cars to renting apartments. Because <laughs> right. I worked one year at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Right. So I did my uh, one-year service there, and then uh, Big Papa, I call him, you know what I mean, uh, Guru Dev, who's my mentor for the past 20-some years, came up to me and said, now it's time. So I walked up into place, and I told him, I said, I got to go. Did he have just bought an old forge at that time, too? Yeah. Okay, so he just bought a property. He needed some. That's where, that was my humble beginnings right there. I think everybody needs the humble beginnings. You know what right. I mean? Some people say that, it's you know, when you become successful, you become humble. I believe right. that. You become humble and then you become successful. I realized the other day, I said, our father bought his first apartment complex when I was 10 years old. And so we really grew up yeah. in the business. I was six. And we grew up in the business. We painted apartments as kids. You did really. I just kind of <laughs> played <laughs> in the paint. <laughs> painted apartments as kids. And you cut a, gra- a lot of grass though. Oh man. You caught, you cut a was, lot of apartment grass. I was Dan the man, the landscaper <laughs> for a while. Yes, 16 remember, years old. Remember when we was ride, we had those little ramps that we'd ride the lawnmower right up onto the truck? Yep. I used to do it all by myself, load it all up. Right. Did about four properties in the in the Chester County area. And we'd feel guilty if we didn't cut the grass. Yeah, did, I mean, you know. <laughs> no? Something motivates you all the time, you know right. what I mean? And sometimes it's the guilt that motivates you. Right. So so now you're you're older, you're out of college, and you get in your first apartment building. You started as a property manager. Yeah. And when did you go from manager to business manager? Because right now, this, today, you're managing a, a huge business. And I was thinking, you know, a lot of times we don't really, we judge ourselves so much. And maybe this is not you, but I'm just saying in general, I know for myself, sometimes we judge ourselves so much. We don't really see what we're dealing with. We don't really see the, 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 the magnitude. The magnitude, exactly, of what we're what we're involved with sometimes because we just, we're just so used to it. Yeah. You know, because we've been born and raised in it and saturated it and cocooned in it that our parents have made it like that. It is just simply what it is. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like, we just, it's just a, has become a part of our being. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So when I made that transformation, it was like I went to California. I worked for two years and I, I ran off to California and I, you know, did some things that I needed to do for myself at that time. Right. Uh, and then when I came back, then I was thrusted into the business to, to become a business owner. You know what I mean? Where I really realized that, yes, I'm renting apartments, I'm managing apartments, but I'm also beginning to manage people who rent apartments. And today, how many apartments, units do you manage? So apartments is about uh, 2,400. And then um, we have a, a, what's called a short-term room rental. And uh, that will push us over 2,500 if you use them. They're not really apartments, but they're um, short-term room rentals. You're talking about the Hamiltons? Yeah, Hamilton Tower in Hamilton Allentown. Tower. Just, they're pretty much like a, just like apartments. Which is, just, yeah, apartments. 50% of the people are uh, long-term. And how many are there in, in Hamilton? 120 Towers? rooms. 120. That's an interesting building, huh? It's a very interesting building. <laughs> we could spend a whole episode on that. Right, know? right. <laughs> but it's a need for it. There's, a, there's a definitely a need for it in the city. Right. That's great. I'm, I'm glad that, that that really, you know, worked out. Because I remember when you originally bought it, didn't really know what which way to turn with it. Absolutely. You know, Think about, is it a hotel? Do we keep it a hotel? We turn it into apartments. The mayor approached us and wanted to turn it into apartments. You had the business school there downstairs. What happened to the business school after the commercial space? So then they really realized that that space wasn't really sufficient for what they really needed. They moved into another bigger building. And then after that, they lost their funding, which was all government funding. What did you do with that space that they occupied? Converted into rooms because that was the only thing that we could really use it for. Okay, great. So, and and it's a good cash flow there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a good challenge, too. On a day-to-day, but you know what I mean? So you've seen a lot of deals, multifamily deals, big deals. You've walked through the whole process of the deal from walking the property to touring the property to then walking, doing the due diligence on the property to closing on the property to taking over management on the property and then sustaining management on the property. Um, what's the craziest deal you've done so far? Brandywine Village in Allentown. About 450 apartments. When we took it over, it had 150 apartments vacant. A lot of them with mold and mildew and all types of issues. And the only reason why we got it was because the other other person who wanted, who was supposed to get it, didn't want it because of the amount of work and risk that needed to take place. That's what we basically done. We've we've taken on the properties that nobody wanted to put roll up their sleeves and do the heavy work, heavy lifting. Yeah, but those are the ones that are most, uh, they're most challenging, but they're the most rewarding also as well. Exactly. They're the most profitable in the end too, over a long period of time. Right. And um, so tell us a little bit about that. You know, I know that it was originally called Addison. Yeah, it was really called- Addison had a really bad name. Twin Village in the, from, from the 1970s. Had a really bad name and they had, and we, we you already had a couple of properties in the surrounding area. Oh, it was right in our property. playground. It was right in our playground. It was a no brainer because it was right there, smack dad in the middle. And we had approached these people many, many times to see, but we just couldn't crack that shell. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, an opportunity knocks, you got to step up the game. And that's what I learned from my mentor is that everything that you have done has prepared you for that when that opportunity shows up. And if you don't seize that opportunity at that time, you lose that opportunity. Right. So, uh, yeah, we stepped up in there and, um, man, you just kind of, you just get right in there. You just get right in there. I mean, there was all types of abandoned cars and empty apartments and, you know, the police had used an empty apartment to basically use, a, you know, use so that they could, you know, bring some order and safety into that community because the more empty shells you got, the more darkness shows up. 
Hey, hey, didn't they have the uh, the bulletproof uh, glass or something? Yeah, no, well, it wasn't was it, was it, was it bulletproof, but, but they had, they had a guard. Yeah, they had a guard. Basically, you had to go to the guard in order to get into to, to the, to, to to the, the office. office. Yeah, right. And then they had glass, didn't they, or something? Yeah, like yeah. That. They it, when glass, you walked in, there was a guard. Was, you could only slip stuff through the pay, uh, little hole. So as soon as you took over the property, the glass was gone. That had to go. We took took over the glass. We didn't need a guard anymore. It's all about. We had to keep our guard up, right? Put the guard. <laughs> we down. put our guard up, but at the same time, we had to release that 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 you know what I mean because it just created this. Um, it was a wall in between us and the customer, and we don't want that. Right. It's about service. And that property really took a lot of work, a lot of a lot of hard work, a lot of a lot of time. How long did it take to stabilize that property? It took about five years. Uh, the reason why was um, it wasn't about you know renovating the apartments. It wasn't about uh, you know what I mean cleaning up the hallways. It was about basically. Uh, creating a new reputation in the city of itself, you know what right. I mean, the city of Allentown. Um, that place had gotten a bad reputation, and that takes time to change. Exactly. It takes a long time. So you got to be in it for the long haul. Exactly. Um, and that now, how long have you had that property? Uh, how, long, how many years? Cinco de Mayo is going to be 15 years. Cinco de Mayo, May 5th is the 15 years. Yep. So 2005. So, and this is very, one, one thing that we do that's pretty interesting. It's very different from a lot of investors that buy uh, these type of assets. 15 year loan. Yes. 15 years is coming up. So that means in 15 years, we're putting it on the, we're putting the cards on the table, but in 15, in, uh, in a couple months, you'll have the completed 15 years. You'll also have hundred percent equity in that property. Time to scale. <laughs> you have hundred percent equity. So now a property that you bought, that we bought, I can say, but you know, even though that's, it's your deal, um, but we're family, so <laughs> I don't, but a property you bought 15 years ago, paid off the debt on it, full equity, and the value and the appreciation, just a multiplier. If we were to take how much was paid for the purchase price, and then put it on today's market price. How many times has it grown in 15 years? The valuation of that property. You know, that one to, property. Just to throw it out, it's doubled. At least doubled in 15 has, years. Oh, definitely, no doubt. Yeah, and I was, I, was, I was certain of that. And that's kind of a trend we see in, within 15 years, the valuation and the value increase on multifamily apartments, it's, it's doubled and you'll never get that on a house. A lot of people now do is getting, they're getting these 10 year balloon type of mortgages. Right. And they pay interest only. And then after that, I mean, now these are individuals who are coming together and buying big maybe properties, A-class properties. Right. And you know what I mean? It's a, it's a tax shelter. And that gives them an opportunity to hold it for 10 years. Right. And then sell it at a premium or let's just say a profit. Right. And then they're able to move on to something bigger and better at that time. The thing that we do that's kind of hard. So when they're paying just interest only, they're, they're getting cash flow the whole time. Yeah. They're, they're getting the cash flow on the deal. Then in 10 years, they're getting the appreciation yeah. of how much and they haven't paid any but they haven't paid down any equity. No. So if something goes wrong on those deals, unless they got a good, you know, strong foundation and background, they got other properties or assets, you know, able to hold that up, they're going to be sinking and swimming or sometimes. There's a change. But they're studying the trend. Right. They're studying the trend. Now, you know, I used to go to the bank and the bank, there used to be a sign there all the time. And it said, why rent when you can own? Right. And nowadays I'm looking at flipping that sign around saying, why own? when you can rent. Exactly. You know what I mean? And the bank won't allow me to put that sign up in there, but you know what I mean, or outside. But you know, uh, it, it has crossed my mind many times. We, so should, we, we can put that, time. we can put that, we can put that, well, we can put up that sign in front of our, our apartment buildings. 
Why own when you can rent? <laughs> right. That's a way of, uh, <laughs> hey, write that, I'm write that that's one down. That's a law of attraction. Sign. I'm going to put that sign up at King Street. Put them up. Absolutely. Put them up. Put them up. Because that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing that I've seen also that growing up, it was all about living the American dream, getting the house, you know, and now they're building apartments and a lot of people, renting makes more sense for a lot of people, you know, because just property taxes itself in a house, like, you know, this house, I'm going to pay, I'll pay over a thousand dollars a month just for property tax, mm, which easy. is low for a house like that. You know, if it was just me and my wife, I could get a nice apartment, pay $3,000 or something a month and still do better, you know, but I wouldn't have the, you know, the space or whatever. I have to deal with other people, but now a lot of the upscale communities, not, not in our area, because we're, we're like in the what? We're in the boonies pretty much. We're in Pennsylvania. We're in the country. But I was imagine like a lot of the metropolitan areas like uh, Los Angeles, New York, Miami, those places, you know, for those people, renting makes more, a lot more sense than buying a house and maintaining a house. Absolutely. No doubt. I like my house. I'm not going to rent. <laughs> and luckily, by our, our, our income properties allow us to, to own our house. And... Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting, you know, and that's the whole culture is trending because now the millennials are like the second, they're like the, the, the largest part of the workforce now in 2020, they're like half of the workforce, I think is millennials now. Millennials don't have that house type of thing. They want, they want to be mobile. They don't want to lock themselves into 30 year mortgages, you know, and we're moving more and more towards that mentality is changing from, you know, having a house to, to becoming a renter. You know, one of it's the become. biggest builders in the United States is the Toll Brothers, located very, very local right here in PA. Right. And in the early 90s, there was a big boom for housing right. at that time. And people were buying houses and all types of stuff was going on and a lot of growth was taking place. And, the, you know, the industry was booming at that time. Now the Toll Brothers are building apartments. <laughs> or know? small townhouses. Or townhouses. They're not right. building the big ones as much. They're still building it. They're, they're actually really, really big. So they're building all across the board, but they saw a trend now taking place after, you know, the millennials came in and everything like that. And, um, you know, so they're already in that. That's a great they're point. They're already in that place. Already. They built that, they yeah. built that place in Phoenixville that just sold, they traded, they built it, they held it. And then they, and then they sold it yeah. recently. Yeah. Uh, the, the big place. I don't even, we don't even know what it's sold so they, for. They study the trends. They know what's in and they build it. Right. That's a very good point. And that's what we see at all the, all the, even the, the major cities here in Exton, King of, well, King of Prussia has been going on for a couple, two, three years now. They now Exton, Exton caught on and Exton's on fire with the, they're, they're, you know, they bought the mall parking lot. They built all those apartments. Yeah. And then you see the main street at Exton on the other side, right? Caddy corner to that position. They're building all those new apartments. And then you have up and down 30, you know, you got the, the, the Kiev flats. People are willing to pay for convenience. You know what I mean? They want to have that convenience to take their pet out to the, to the park. They want to have that ability to walk right into shopping areas. Right. You know what I mean? And then also live right there as also as well too. Right. So they want to pull out the car. You know what I mean? That's why Uber has become so, so dynamic. You know what I mean? In places like that, right. they've created such a convenience now for individuals. So now with all this increase of, of apartments, um, does that affect you in any way? They're building all around there. Even in Allentown, where most of your properties are in Allentown, yeah, good, so. good chunk of what you have is in Allentown. They're, they got the cranes up there in Allentown. They're building. So those properties are operating at A-level. A-level amenities, A-level rent, 
And A-level, they're getting the government assistance also as well, too, in Allentown as well, too. So they're getting a little rebate kickback from the government and all that stuff like that for new construction in the city. And tax abatement. So there's a lot of, yeah, tax abatement and stuff like that. We're in the C-level property. So we have that cushion right there with regards to, but it's giving us the ability to raise the bar. Because what's happening also as well, too, is that across the board, utilities are going up. Water's going up. You know what I mean? Sewer's going up. Now stormwater fees are being implemented across the board. So there's all types of fees that are also giving us the ability to increase our rents also as well, too. And if we don't, then we get kind of get lost in the sauce. We got to really step up our game also as well, too. So it's actually giving us an opportunity to improve our product at the same time, improve our rents also as well, too. And I remember back in time, back in the day, Allentown, you know, people, it was so hard to get apartments rented. Yeah. Now you've that, that's not even an issue. Occupancy is not an issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, finding a, an adequate, good, stable renter is always an issue. Right. But yes, the demand is up there now. Right. And that's because what I would, and that's my that's been our motto, you know, strong, steady, and stable. Because we want to attract tenants that are strong, steady, steady and, and stable. stable. Absolutely. Because then it cuts down on the turnover. It cuts down on this whole thing of Cycle. renting apartment, putting them in an apartment, cleaning up the apartment, getting somebody else in. It's just like so much expense goes into that whole turn of yeah. events. So... So that's good. So that cease that uh, cease. That's the thing that also too, because I've always, I was always like, I was like the rebel in the family, right? Yeah. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? I have another so, word for you. But anyway, <laughs> what's your word? What's your word? The black sheep. <laughs> the black sheep, the rebel. But even the black sheep and the rebel, sometimes they come into come into alignment, I guess, with 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 the perennial wisdom. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Parental you wisdom. You learn from people what to do. And you also learn from people what not to do. Right. Also as well too. But in order to push the barriers, you got to be that black sheep. Yeah. In order to expand the horizon. So, so in, in my mind was like, I just would got, I just like got tired all these years of doing the same thing of getting like sort of quote unquote trash properties. Monotonous. Yeah, and then like right. dealing with all the headaches of, you know, just cumbersome headaches of dealing with lower quality tenants. You know, and just like, yo, I'm tired of this. I want to get like some A-class, you know, I want to get something. I want to get a, a better quality product and a better quality tenant. So I have less headaches. Mm. And it is until now that I realized looking at the market, looking at the cycles, looking at everything, that the real money is in, has always been in C-class. And thank God, like I still have as a like kind of like a check on my list, my bucket list, if there's such a thing to one day have an A-class property, but it's not my, I don't think that way anymore because it's just like buying the C-class property and the turnover and the, the, the valuation, the value add and everything that we gain from it. Yeah, we deal with a lot more headaches, but if we get better, we've gotten better at managing them too. Mm -hmm. And we've learned from our experiences. So you can't, you can't not, you, you know, the, as, 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 as our business is always solving problems and, and dealing with stuff. And, and over the years, you just get used to it. You get used to the bigger, you know, I mean, last year we had one one building in, 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 in Reading. We couldn't find the gas leak or something. They shut off the gas. And so when they're shutting off the gas, they shut off the hot water. Mm. You know, so this building had no hot water until we could find this leak. And then we started banging on walls, breaking down walls to find a gas leak. And they finally, you know, solved the problem. But, you know, water main pipe one day blew a bust at the same property. It's on our property. We have to fix that main water, even though that's the city's water. We got to get it down. We got to dig it out. We got to excavate. We got to fix that pipe. 
And if until we do, there's no water to anybody. You got water everywhere. So over the years of dealing with these kind of issues, you just like, you just get this kind of thick skin or you just kind of like this detachment. You know, you're not like, it doesn't consume you as much. Is that what you experienced too? Well, you know, first thing going back to the A-class property, you know what I mean? Is that C-class property only pertains to us because the, the age of the property in which we buy it. We buy properties that are built in the, somewhere anywhere between 50s, 60s, and 70s. You know what I mean? In that, Mostly in, are in the 70s. In that, in, in that time frame. That, yeah. So that's what puts us in that thing. But what we strive for is to provide an A-class service to the C-class properties. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the main thing. You know, that's always been my thing to try to take the C class properties or even like if it's less than C minus and bring it to a B minus area. At least, yes. you know, bring so you it to take it step by step. You can't cha you can't control the city and the no. area, but you can control at least what you develop. It's, into it's the like property. a big ship. You know what I mean? Roll, rolling in the uh, in the sea. You just can't do a U turn like a car. You know what I mean? You got to begin to move Slow, that momentum yeah. slowly exactly. so that it can begin to change direction. So that's exactly what you're talking about. Right. With regards to all the challenges that come up with real estate and multifamily, that's why this business is not for everybody. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And people come up to us all the time saying, you know, how can I get in the game? How can I do this type of stuff like that? How can I be a game changer? And it doesn't really work that way because the bar is getting higher and higher and higher. I'm not trying to deter you from taking that, taking that leap or that step. But at the same time is that those challenges like you just talked about will always be there and they'll always be showing up. But you know what? It's all about the risk and it's always about the challenge. And you grow from that process. If you're not growing, what are you doing? Right. And that's, what I, that, and that's what our mentor really got good at is handling the risk. Being able to assess the property, oh, look at man. the deal, and evaluating the risk. I still haven't got He's that. He's not really much of a risk taker, <laughs> actually. If you look at his formula and his plan, the way he does it, he doesn't really take a big risk. Mm. You know, in the beginning when he first rolled the dice on the first one. Now... This takes us back. We're going to kind of just jump to something, but it's, 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 all, it's all relative. Do you know why we're in even the, in the apartment business today? I got a, a basic idea. He tells me stories all the time when we drive. Right. You spend a lot. He spends a lot more time with my father than I do because I'm that the rebel, the black sheep. He's going to do it my way kind of thing. But anyway, the reason why the other day, and he reminded me of this, I've heard the story before, but one day our father visited a friend in New Jersey and the guy had a triplex and he told my dad, he goes, I'm living rent free. He goes, these other two guys are paying my mortgage. They're paying my rent and I'm living here in this house free. And so that's where he got the idea and everything starts with an idea. And that idea shifted his life. He was already a businessman. He had a little supermarket probably at that time. He had a laundromat, but when he got that concept and that idea, that's what turned the light bulb went on. And if it wasn't for that day and that idea and that light bulb turning on, we wouldn't be in apartments today. I agree. That was a definitely. That was a turning point where yeah. he got the idea. He's like, he never, because he would never thought, he's like, this guy's living rent free. And these other guys are paying, uh, paying down his mortgage. And then he went and bought his first property. It was 52 units in Downingtown at a time when the interest rates were 15%. Mm. The banks were not given money. The banks were not given loans at that time. And I had spent a lot of years studying, you know, no money down books and all that stuff, the Carlton Sheets and the, you know, Ron Legrand and all this stuff. 
And one day I actually talked to him about his first deal. And then when he broke it down to me, I'm like, oh, shoot, you just did a no money down deal. Mm-hmm. He refinanced his house. He borrowed money left and right. Mm. He got enough money for the down payment and the owner financed the rest of the, the property. Somehow, some way, he got with the broker and the broker told him what to do. And he was willing to listen. And, and the seller. Bro- and the seller, yeah. and the seller had faith and confidence. Financing at that I mean, the seller also he had everything so that if my, you know, if my, if our father messed up the deal, he could it's, it's all back in his hands. Yeah. So he wasn't like taking a huge risk on him, but he caught the guy at the right time. That's right. And this guy wasn't local to the area. He had a helicopter. He flew. He would fly into Downingtown, and you know he just and he had properties and he was a very successful business person, and our father helped pay down his note and paid him money, you know, and he was a no money down deal, basically. Second property, almost the same way. He had saved up money, he had put only a hundred thousand dollars. Now this, that property in Downingtown, he bought for 400, $450,000, 52 unit. Today that property is worth 5 million, let's just say. After 40 years. 40 years um, and no debt service, you know? And, and from that one property, from that one asset that he bought for 52 units, which is now 54 units, I believe, because he added two units there, he was able to buy one property in Westchester for 60-some units, and then eventually one in Coatesville. Coatesville property, I don't remember how much it was, but he sold it up. So that was the first property he actually sold. And then that's when he took his money to Allentown. And the guy in Allentown had all these apartment complexes and my father, he wanted to buy all of them, you know, but he could only, and he came up with a way, you know, and that's when he started growing. He went from becoming a working guy because he was working. He was trying to do all the maintenance. He was trying to do much of it himself to a businessman. Mm-hmm, that's right. And he realized that he couldn't do it all himself. He had to use the, he had to leverage people. That's right. You but if it, it wasn't for that one friend of his, I realized, wow, if that one friend gave him the idea. That was the, that was the, the multifamily real estate awakening. He had many awakenings along the way, but that was the one that would really open him up to saying, hey, you know what? There is no business like this business. Yeah. And I think also a part of it, like you say, it's not for everybody because over the years, he, he's also been approached by a lot of people like you've been approached. People have always asked him like, how do I get in? And he, he would give them the phone number. He would give, but the people, would, would they take action? Very, no, only one person that I think I know that's t- really taken action. And that was the one that he sold the one property to, I think. Yeah, it's not for everybody. But nowadays, there's a lot of people that are, you know, I didn't know about this until recently because I wasn't like really looking on the internet and stuff like that. But now it seems like a lot of people, all of a sudden, multifamily is like a hot topic. You see that too as well? Absolutely, no doubt. Whereas before, we, we felt like we were just foreigners in a different world or something. Like, you know, we were like, well, yeah, I do apartments. But we wouldn't be like, yeah, I do apartments. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's more attractive now than anything. Absolutely. Because it's an investment. Before, like you said, homes were an investment. You buy a home, it goes up, you take a home equity loan, you can pay off your, you can do your uh, your children's education, et cetera. But now homes are not increasing that much in value. Right. And then the thing is this, you know, you're managing all these properties, you're managing a lot of people because we're hands-on. We're not just giving it to an asset manager to, to manage for us. We're not giving it to a property management company. You deal with a lot of stuff. You deal with a lot. Of, what's your biggest challenge? On a day-to-day? On a day-to-day, it's about uh, beginning to delegate, 
certain responsibilities that I have on a day-to-day basis, which is from property management, and then also beginning to implement uh, a newer technology into uh, the process to facilitate so that we can have um, everybody on the same page. And that's what I'm basically moving into 2020 with. So 2020, you're, you're really, it sounds like you're really building systems and structure. Infrastructure, yeah. right? Incre- Changing, improving yeah. yeah. infra- infrastructure, right? Yeah. And bringing the business more modern. Absolutely. Bringing it into the modern day because we kind of, we, we grew up doing it the 80s style. We kind of stuck with the 80s and 90s way and, but life has moved on and we're broke. still operating business. Don't fix it. That was right. my kind of my motto. With, right. with, exactly. You know, but now it came, to, it came to a point where you finally, we got it. We have to be the ones to bring the business into 2020 or 2019. 2020 is about having a new vision now. You know what I mean? 2020 vision, 2020. So, you know what? You got to move in that direction. If you're not moving in that direction, I'm actually behind the game and something like that. So I'm trying to bring it into a, the new place where new software, new vision in 2020. So what is your vision? So my, my vision is definitely to uh, continue. Just coming into the new year, just... Just this this year coming in, you, are you coming in with some strong intentions, some strong vision? So you know, I'm always you know simple. my my whole my whole thing has been my father's always been honesty and hard work has been two his two principles, and then my two uh, right hand and left hand has always been customer service and uh, communication. So learning how to improve that communication between the residents and the, the the management also as well too has always been my thing. But now what's 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 coming up inside of me is more about clarity seeking clarity in the new year uh and then also uh compassion and that's what's gonna that. be my next question because you spoke about that at the at the lunch the compassion piece what, yeah. what do you mean by that compassion piece is that you know i want to continue to keep on improving the product that we have and then that's basically helping the individuals in our apartments to provide better service for them also as well too and then the compassion part i think has always been there because like you said we always buy properties that are dilapidated mismanaged and stuff like that and then bringing Distressed. that to another level that's the, the part of it. If you're making a difference, you know what I mean? In that, in creating a strong, steady and stable environment. So moving from distressed to strong, steady and stable, compassion has got to be an integral part of that. Yeah. That's good. That's great. Um, yeah. That's one of the things that I've realized is that we're making an impact. We're not just, you know, we're not just making money. We're making an impact and we're improving the community. Slow and know? steady. And we see where we see where the people that met the, the owners, you know, sometimes they're not, they're not investing in the community. They're not investing in their property and it just becomes a den of thieves or it becomes just a place where like anything goes and like there's kids, there's children, there's a families, you know what I mean? Right. They're living in those circumstances. And, um, if somebody would take responsibility for the properties they have, when we do that, when we take responsibility for that property, we're taking responsibilities for these families and we owe it to them to create a safe, stable product and environment. For their, Absolutely. For their, for their families, for their children growing up. So continue to build that in the 2020. Nice. You're also into, um, one of the things we have in common is you're not just like a, a, a business guy, but you've also got a strong like spiritual calling, so to speak, if that's the way, way to put it. How would, you, how would you put it? What would you call it? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Is that uh, I remember back in the when I was in college, you know what I mean? I wrote my first paper on the mind-body connection. And, you know, uh, growing up with people like uh, Deepak Chopra and, uh, you know, places like that. And then moving in that direction, you know what I mean? Of finding more and more and more and studying at Agape in California and it, w- coming into connection with the science of mind. 
you know, by Dr. Ernest Holmes and, you know, being part of some place and all this place and going back, you know I mean? That was, it was, it's just everything led, everything was just so looking back in hindsight, everything just kind of clicked like a puzzle was kind of leading me to more and more and more and realizing that, you know what? Yes. You know what I mean? Is that there's definitely more involved in uh, what we're doing and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's a definitely a deeper calling into realizing. So another that. thing that's become really a part of your being is understanding that your mind is so important. Your mindset is so important. Absolutely. On a daily basis. Like the one brother online says, PMA. PMA, Bobby, Bobby Castro. Having <laughs> positive mindset. Positive mental attitude. So, you know, Clement Stone, have you ever heard of him? Clement Stone? No. He wrote a book back in the day called PMA or Positive Mental Attitude. And he was a student of Napoleon Hill. And Clement Stone was like, one time he became super, like a rich insurance guy. And I remember I used to be so obsessed with like self-study programs and Nightingale Conant. Remember, remember all those videotapes? I, I would always get those tape courses. Yeah, yeah. So I had the, I had the, I had I the course. Still got a box of it in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So I had a course from uh, uh, Clement Stone and um, he starts off the course saying, a guy got in my car and put a gun to my head and said, I have nothing. You have everything. And I was not afraid. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> like this guy is like so much into um, the whole mindset thing. But I always remember that little part of him. This guy had such freedom from fear. He says that the guy said, put a gun to his head. He was able to just talk the guy out of it. And, um, you know, so positive mental, what do you do to create that PMA, to create your positive mental attitude? So, you know, in order to, for me, in order to go straight to the mind, in order to create, you can do all types of stuff now with technology and online apps and everything like that. Drive you crazy. yourself. It'll drive you crazy. But what has worked for me is beginning to work with my body and work with my body simply means is that I use, you know, I use yoga and I use pranayama and I use diff different types of things like that in order to approach the mind. What, through what's pranayama for somebody? Pranayama is just the different breathing exercises that we do in order to expand our awareness calm our body and then really enter into a place of stillness into the mind. So, but in order for me to go there, I got to go through the body. I got to use the breath so that I can enter the mind. Cause that, that breath is the bridge for me from the body to the mind. Right. And, you know the, soul, I mean? and the soul and, and the soul connects, connects us to our soul. So I mean, I for me to go straight to the mind, I don't know. I deal with a lot of nonsense for me. I don't know about anybody else. You know what I'm saying? But as a manager, so, you're not just managing your own mental attitude. You're also managing manage. the people that work with you a lot of times. Yeah. Which that's, that's a challenge. Dealing with personalities, etc. You know, I've always wanted to like have, um, and I've never done this, but this year we've already start. we're starting to do it already now to have meetings with my managers and talk about things. We've never really done this. Talk about like, how do you answer that phone? You know, how do you make, how do you close that deal? Mm. Teaching them some sales um, just some simple stuff. Cause I, 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 whenever I'm in the office, I listen to them, how they answer the phone or something. And then once they get off the phone, I'll give them some critique on a one-on-one, but I've never taken everybody and say, okay, we're going to meet for lunch today. And we're going to talk about answering the phone. Like you call me as a tenant. Mm. How am I going to, how am I going to deal with this? You know, one thing I've got them to doing is try not to waste a lot of time on the phone, try to pre-qualify them first, you know? We really, recently we met with, it's really interesting because recently we met with um, Elliot Burris and Elliot Burris is the t one of the top leading um, AI, which is artificial intelligence, like, you know, Siri and, and uh, Alexa and all that, AI, artificial intelligence in real estate. Mm. He created a company called Dynasty 
and Appfolio bought Dynasty and he's now working with Appfolio. He's a vice president in Appfolio as well. So he recently came to our office uh, last week or a week before and he showed us the demonstration of Lisa. And oh, so yeah. this Lisa is this artificial intelligence that when somebody calls in, Lisa will text them immediately and start talking to them, start communicating well and setting up an appointment. And Lisa's whole goal is to get them to come see the property and give them information about the apartment. But at the end of the conversation, when she goes through all the thing of lining up the, the tour, hmm. she goes, oh, by the way, we don't take ex-convicts. We don't take this, this, this. And then she gives the whole pre-qualifications too at the end. Whereas though on the phone, we don't have a time to do all that because we're not a computer. We got other things to do. So I get them to do the pre-qualification up first on the mm. phone to say, well, what do you have? How's, how's your income? How's this? Any convictions? You know, that kind of thing. And then go into when can you come in? You know, when do you want? Well, I got this time and I have that time. Give them a choice between two times. And Lisa does the basically the same thing. She gives them two times to say, well, you're going to come in this time or that time. And then the other great thing is that, and you're going to be able to use this through Appfolios, you're going to have texting abilities. And now businesses more and more are using that texting uh, for in their everyday consumers are almost because um, nobody looks at their email anymore. You know, I, you're, my whole thing about email is like, okay, I'm just going through deleting everything and then going to the stuff that I got to get back to or, or deal with that are important business emails. Right. Other than that, who's looking at emails? Even the stuff I get from my kids' schools a lot of times, they're like newsletters. They're just, there's just, you know, something that gets lost in the shuffle, even the stuff that's really important. But when you send somebody a text, all of a sudden, that's where the culture's changing now. It's like you talk about communication. And so it's like having that, you know, first it was like getting their email, you get them in the system. Now it's like, okay, now we need to text them. You know, we need to talk to them. Um, we can get you, I can send you a text to renew your lease. Because people won't even go into the system and the software. And this is what the, one of the things he's saying. People won't even go in t to log in to log in, order in. To, right. in order to renew their lease. And it's like, you talk about convenience, people are getting super lazy and they want things super convenient. So we have to learn to move more in that direction and making it soup, like, you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Like keep, mm. it, keep it simply stupid, convenient and make yeah. it as easy as possible. Technology is important. Yeah. But at the same time, we don't want to underestimate the value of the human. Right. But the thing with Lisa though, right. And the AI is that so that the managers have more time to deal, be more with effective when they are yeah. face to face. That's right. So they're taking care of the, some of the menial stuff in the background so that when they do have that face to face, they should be, you know, Full fully, on fully, fully present. Right. What, what's going on with you as far as like, um, Business-wise, you, you're talking about, are you just like trying to, coming in this new year, are your goal right now at this point? All right, this is what I wanted to ask you. All the deals you've done, basically, they've, came, they've come to you. You haven't had to go hunt any deals down. Yeah, we've been very fortunate, you know what I mean? That, uh, you know, we've had some integral uh, real estate brokers who have, you know, known that we are serious players and that when we sign the dotted line, we go to the finish line. So, um, yeah, we've been very fortunate in that point. And then we've also stick to a very strategic area also as well, too. And that's what made it kind of, uh, you know, our kind of, you know, little niche market. You know right. what I mean? But, um, yeah, we, we haven't expanded beyond that. So. And like the apartment brokers that we deal with, they kind of know what, what, what our buying range is. They know what and they know what properties to bring our way. What fits our, yeah, critique. Yeah, and some right. of the other properties that they have, they don't even waste our time with it. They're like, we're not even going to talk to Roger, AJ or Pankaj because, you know, they have their other set investors that they know. So, but we've built a name in a sp specific niche. That's right. 
and you built a certain reputation for like you say, like that these guys are going to go through. And that's what, that's what brokers love that when these guys sign, they're not going to back out. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to see it through. Absolutely. So building a reputation is important. You know, having that time in the business is important because then all of a sudden you're not out there hunting. A lot of people are hunting for the deals, looking for the deals, but when you just build it, like the deals have at some point, they just started coming our way. They seem to have a magnetic flow and then they come to you. You know what I mean? Right. And as long as you see, be able to seize that opportunity and focus more on what you can envision that property to be than really what it is. Right. Now we've studied the law of attraction for a long time. When we talk about mindset and things of that nature, do you see that really playing out in reality? You see that playing out in your life or do you, can you see, can you? No, it happens so gradually. It happens. So it doesn't, it doesn't happen in a dynamic flow, but it, I mean, at the same time, absolutely. You know what I mean? Now looking back in hindsight, I can see that the, yeah, the, the you become of attractive force and it just comes to you rather than you're going. And, and the more you go out looking for it, it's almost like it's not there and you're pushing it away. Whereas though you become, a central force and you you bring, you build up your energy to a point where you become magnetic to your good. Right. You believe in that? I believe in that. And how do you increase your good? How do you increase your magnetism to your good? It's on a day to day basis. You know what I mean? You got to stick to the basics and you keep on going at it day in, day. So in, somebody day doesn't out. know if you want right. to just tell somebody that somebody right now, this is how you increase your good. You want to become more magnetic to good. This is what you got to do. You know, I don't know. That's a good question. That's, that's a tough question. So you already kind of answered it because you talked about breath. You talked about the body by being the breath and the body and working on that level. You're also, you're, you're clearing out your mind. So you're becoming clear up here. You're getting that clarity. Clarity is creation. The clearer you are up here, the easier and the simpler and the quicker it is to manifest that what you want when you're clear up here, when you got that clarity. Also, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta forgive. And that's a great thing your mentor has taught you. Mm. He doesn't hold nothing against nobody. Yeah, that's a tough one, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's a very, very, it's a very, very important one. We live in a too. society that's debt laden with debt and debt, according to some metaphysicians, debt is a form of unforgiveness. Mm. So by forgiving and letting it go, you're like, you're holding on like, Unforgiveness, right, is like a resentment. You're holding on to something. That's right. And that by holding on to whatever that you're holding on to, that part, it's weakening you. It's making you less magnetic to your good. Yeah, I mean, what you're holding on to, you think that by holding on to it, it's going to change. Right. But the reality is that it doesn't change until you let it go. So going into the new year, guys, let go. See where those places where you are still holding on to some resentment, grudge, or whatever. Whether it's against yourself, maybe even, not even just other people people, places, and things, but, and, and make an intention, set an intention to let it go, you know, write it all down on a piece of paper, burn it, do what you need to do, to let go of the, the debt that you're holding, that you're all mortgaging in your own soul, let go of that. So you can free you up so that you can think more clearly. Absolutely. And you can be more magnetic. The, the other way is to give. You're a great giver. You believe in the law of giving. The same channel that you give through is the same channel you receive from. So all giving is receiving. You can't get, you can't get without giving. Mm -hmm. And to put the law of circulation in, in the motion, we got to give. It's the same with our properties. We, we invest so much in our properties. Only then can we get a return out of Absolutely, them. Absolutely. No doubt. It's the law of life. You got to give. And you know what I've been thinking about lately, and I don't know if you heard me say this, 
is like as investors, people just think about like ROI, return of, of, of on income. But, you know, as investors, we're investing in ourselves. We're investing in our people. We're investing in communities. Yeah. You know, we're investing in a lot of ways, you know, and we're getting returns in a lot of ways. So it's not just about the ROI. It's not just about, you know, numbers on a page at a balance sheet, you know, and, and, and equity and all those things. It's about making a difference. Absolutely. And you believe in that? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. You know, I mean, it begins with the community, like you said, and the community is the people and the people that, that live in their properties. And then the properties are, you know, I mean, what we always think. So it's people, properties, and then when you focus on those two, that will lead you to profit. Yeah. And, and apartment buildings are small communities within themselves. Absolutely. So listen, man, I want to thank you for, for take, you're a busy guy. You know, um, what I really wanted to ask you, and I think we've kind of talked about it, but like people glamorize the entrepreneur life and like, yeah, you get the car and you get the nice place and you don't have to worry about maybe you know, paying some bills, maybe we all have to, we, our bills are big. Actually, you do have to worry sometimes about paying bills. I mean, just my trash bill, one area might be 60 grand a month, you know, so I'm, mm. it's, it's, you know, payroll, you know, deal. So I'm not going to say that, but maybe some of the smaller menial bills that um, people worry about, but it's not easy. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard work, you know? So if you could just say something to that, you know, your experience, cause you've been, dedicated for 20 years doing the work day in, day out. There's times in my life where I was like on semi-retirement where like I created systems and I was just like, okay, I want to, I want to explore other parts of my life. I don't want to be fully all in to this apartment thing, but you, for the time I've known you, you've been all in all the time. Yeah. You know, um, I got to give all, you know, definitely all praise to uh, my mentor because, you know I mean? He's always been all in all the time, you know what I mean? And it's due to his ability and his foresight and his ability to, you know what I mean, see that type of stuff. And then I've kind of um, just been a, been in his his cocoon for such a long time that I've kind of always dug in deep also as well too and got fully involved. There's t been times with me too that I wanted to step off and I, you know what I mean? I still daydream about it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, you know what I mean? I wanted to get involved in the restaurant business at one time, you know what I mean? I had this lofty idea, you know what I mean? But he popped that buzz, he popped that, you know, that bubble so that I could begin to see really what, you know, what it is, because I like to focus on what I know how to do. But sometimes the grass does look greener on the other side, but it's really not greener on the other side. Exactly. You know, and I've kind of realized that, you know what I mean, in the process. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a very, very challenging business, but at the same time, without no challenge, there's no fun. Right. Without no risk, there's no goodies. Somebody told me long ago, you've been under the shadow or shade of your mentor. Now you're at the point of really breaking out into your own. That's really, you know, I mean, between you and me and not on tape or, or yeah. camera, not on camera, like that's also been a big part of being the second generation. Cause a lot of people I want to share something about that. Yeah. You brought something up. Yeah. So a lot, of, I just want to go ahead, go ahead. I, before you f finish, we're going to keep this in there and we're going to keep it. Though, my, though I talk about giving praise to all my mentors and stuff like that. I've kind of always been in his shadow, you right. know what I mean? And then now, yes, I, I see there's a, uh, there's a shift taking place. And then part of me is kind of kicking and screaming. I'm going to tell you the truth. You know what right. I mean? About, you know, having to step out now and kind of like, you know what I mean? Make my own decisions and do my own thing. And 
the one thing that I've been kind of struggling with is that in order for me to scale, in order for me to grow and inside inside of myself and scale the business also as well too, is that I gotta begin to trans, I gotta begin to release a self doubt. You know what I mean? And I gotta come into a more place where I feel more confident with myself. Right. You know what I mean? In order for me to in order for me to do that. So that's something that I'm that I'm you know what I mean struggling with, and um, yeah, it's coming to a time where it's like you know what? Yeah, you've been taught the basics. You know I what I mean? I see that you're, that's what you're ma- you're making that you're starting to make that shift where you're starting to come into your own now. You know, and you're starting to like, you're like taking ownership. Whereas before it's like, um, you know, go, you know what I mean? If it ain't broke, don't, you know what I mean? Don't, don't try fix to fix it. it right. you know what I mean? But now I'm realizing that like, you know what? We need to, we need to step it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, okay. No matter how, how great our, our mentor is or anybody's mentor is, there's going to become times where you're going to have to like, you're going to see things that they don't see. Absolutely. Or you're going to have to bring things to the table that they haven't yet brought to the table. And you know, what works for him? Absolutely. But the things that is that everything is evolving. This business is evolving. You know what I mean? The whole planet is evolving. We as a human beings are evolving. So we got to grow as well. We got to change. And I'll say this, and I make no apologies about it today, but a lot of times people talk about people that are self-made and people who start from nothing and become something like our father, right? And But what about the second generation, the challenges that they deal with? You know, the third generation, a lot of times the statistics say that they lose everything or they lose a lot of it. But the second generation, we have our own kind of burden to carry. And our own challenges and issues that we deal with. Yeah. You know, being the second generation, being raised up under a self-made person, you know, and having to take that 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 torch and carry it forward. Absolutely. You got that's that creative force. That's a heck force. of a journey. You got that creative force that began it. And then now you got that sustaining force also as well, too. And that's like our generation right now. The second generation is how are we going to sustain, maintain this? Right. You know what I mean? And keep that momentum going. Right. That's the question, right, that we need to ask ourselves. Right. Absolutely. Well, it's been great, man. It's been a great time. Yeah, thanks so much for coming out. Absolutely. My pleasure. So, I love you. Love you too. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for tuning in and hope to see you again. Now now that we've had three actually um three karma cast, we can now go on iTunes and Spotify. So check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and we'll see if there's any other platforms that we want to go on for audio. All right. Karma Thanks cast. again. Karma cast. With number three. <laughs> Karma cast. Catch the blast. <laughs>